This episode of Talk Your Book is proudly brought to you by Honan, providing a complete range of insurance, risk, and financial solutions. Bundy's called me up, told me to take a look, but stay stubborn as bulls and talk their own book. Get the money, get the money, get, get the money. Well, Andrew Machaka, great to have you back on Talk Your Book. Uh, we'll get into your stock pick of choice soon, but I thought if you could start by giving us a little bit of an overview of Flinders Investment Partners and, and how you guys look to invest. So Flinders is a, um, is a small cap fund manager based in Melbourne. We're in our seventh year now. We're really happy about um, the performance of the business over time. We, we have long, long dated you know, performance history, which we're really proud of. Um, three members in the team, Richard McDougall, Nahid Rahman and myself, uh, we're very happy about uh, markets generally. And we think the opportunity of, we think volatility provides us with a bit more opportunity and the other point to note is um, bond selling off is actually a good feature of our, of our portfolio and our style because it allows the market to revert back to fundamentals. And I think this is a really important differentiator uh, between us and others. We're not a momentum player. What's, and the other important fe- feature is that we invest in all sectors. So we do touch biotech, we do touch tech, we do touch resources, but one proviso, they have to be making go today or soon to be making money. So there's not, there isn't that speculative element in the, in the holdings that we have. 40 stock portfolio, um, it's currently priced at a 3% yield, would you believe, for a small cap fund when you consider all the stocks in the fund. Significant uh, earnings growth and really, really cheap at the moment at 12 and a half times forward earnings. So, Pretty happy with the outlook for the fund. And what stock did you want to talk about today? I wanted to touch on early pay. It's a stock that's been listed since 2010. Many might not recognise the name. It did change its name in 2020 from CML Group to early pay. Um, But it's a really important distinction. This is definitely not a buy now, pay later company. So you have to recognise that primarily because it doesn't lend to the consumer as a starting point, and secondly, because it's profitable and it's been profitable since the day it's been listed. So when we talk about growth for this company, it's not just revenue, it's actually profits. So this company here peddles in the so-called invoice financing market. Others call it factoring. Others call it uh, debtor financing. That's their core business. But as we'll discuss, there, there are other divisions which are driving growth going forward. And so maybe let's start there. You mentioned the invoice financing, but what are the other two divisions they've got that are contributing to their to their revenue base? So just briefly on the invoice financing, for those who don't know what that is, this is where a company, small business in particular, the, the desire and the need for working capital is never ending. In order to um, capture that funding, uh, often there are traditional mechanisms of corporate debt, working capital facilities, but that can often be limited and often be expensive. Uh, Invoice financing is a mechanism by which the corporate can actually use its debt ledger to to capture lending against it. Um, This company here would typically not lend beyond 80% of that debt ledger um, for a particular group. And as a group, as early pay, 
typically they wouldn't have more than 65% of the overall debt ledger that they would lend against. And that lending would be somewhere in the order of, can be in the range of 25 grand right up to 15 million plus. Uh, and ultimately, it's not particularly about the corporate itself that they're lending to, it's about the quality of their debtors. So that's where the end-to-one financing, and you may know other entities like Scottish Pacific that are a larger player in this space, but early pay definitely have a niche and a growing and taking market share. Over to their other divisions, they have a trade finance division. Now, what's wonderful about that division for this company is that they can leverage off their existing customer base. Traditionally, invoice financing uses a broker network for sales. The beauty of the trade financing business allows them to data mine their own customers and sell into it. The beauty of it is it actually works hand in hand with invoice financing because as soon as they raise an invoice, it becomes an invoice financing uh, product. The other product that they also offer is the uh, is equipment finance. Huge market. They're only small in that market at the moment, but growing. And that is for transport equipment and yellow gear, primarily in construction, infrastructure, spend, et cetera. Those latter divisions are divisions that they can grow organically, primarily to trade finance business. They can still use broker network for equipment finance, but you're starting to build a picture of a diversified financial services business, which is really the strength of the company. I'm interested when you said at the start that uh, the listeners shouldn't be confused that it's not a buy now, pay later stock because I both hadn't heard of it and, and thought it was a buy now, pay later stock when you sent it through. So the, the one thing that did take me when I did start looking through it is it, it looks bloody cheap. Um, so maybe talk us through what its PE is, what its yield is, and particularly when you look at that in terms of its, its top line growth, it, it, it does look pretty interesting. I meant what I said earlier about the fact that this stock, it, it was founded in 2002 by Greg and Daniel Riley, and it was a father-son team, it's fair to say, which is great. They're ingrained in the business. They know the industry. Greg is the chairman of the business, and Daniel's the CEO of the business. Um, deep industry knowledge. The move into this part of the market has allowed them to acquire to make acquisitions to buy loan books from smaller players. So they've spent over $100 million in this part of the market to grow that book. And they've also added technology. In the last financial year, they've grown, they've upgraded their profits four times, including twice in February, to um, the market cap of the company is $140 million. Their expected profit is um, $15 million plus for this financial year. And it's important to recognize, which puts the stocks trading at 50 cents, um, with 286 million shares on issue, that puts them at about a five to six cent EPS. So it's about 10 times. We've got the forecast to grow 20% next year, as does the market, and that puts them on a sub 10 times PE. In addition to that, they pay out 60% of their NPAT in dividends. So currently it is on a um, 6% plus yield, uh, fully franked yield. Important to note that that, and it's important to understand the drivers of the growth, and this is a critical point, they are taking market share, so they're winning share organically. They're also introducing new products which are also gaining share. Not only that, um, uh, the environment that they operate in is conducive to stronger growth for financing into the SME space. It's good for consumer financing, which are other people, you know, other corporates worry. 
maybe the buy now, pay later worry. These guys operate in the speed market and the demand for capital is, um, is strong as well, particularly since if you think back to 2021, when JobKeeper ended and other stimulus support ended for corporates and, and businesses in Australia, in order, and obviously the economy is growing, so that's a very good driver and a very good indicator for the outlook for profitability for the company. So the organic settings, the macro settings will work pretty strong for the business and it's cheap. And companies like this, it's, it's such a big part of them is, is where they get their funding from. What, what's their funding look like? Who, who gives it to them and how, how secure is that? It's, it's critical to realise and to understand that historically this was the domain of banks. Banks operated in this space. Over time, banks have pulled out of this particular mechanism of dealing with SME clients because of the risk associated with handling that particular client. They weren't geared up for that particular client. They were geared up for larger entities. That's where their focus went, project finance and other types of finance. That opened up the playing field for entities like Early Pay to capture market share. In terms of the funding itself, the banks may not participate in this space, but they're happy to lend into this space. So the warehousing facilities that exist out there are coming from banks and other bank-like financing um, uh, providers. This company here captures its share, not just for funding, not just through the warehousing facilities, but it can also securitise some of these facilities when you consider some of the other products they offer, like equipment financing. Um, there always is a requirement for capital from the company itself. They do need to have a, a, a strong balance sheet to support that debt. Um, but the beauty of it is, as they currently stand at the moment, and I think we discussed it earlier, 300 plus million of uh, facilities, that provides them with a long runway of growth in the current, in the current market. And looking through their most recent investor presentation, the amount of bad debtors they have on their books appears to be really low. Is, is that one of the data points you look at when analysing this? And if that does start to tick up, that's when you might reevaluate your, your view on the company? Financial services are quite complex um, complex companies because, because of that dynamic that you've highlighted there. It's all right to grow the top line, and I think this is... This is where I think some of the pitfalls of the I don't want to talk about buy now, buy now, pay later right now, but this is the pitfalls of credit markets generally and awareness and a pricing of that risk. The beauty of, in the case of early pay, their systems that they have in place from a credit checking perspective, from a bank balance sheet checking for their corporate's perspective, the look through they have with their systems is detailed and it's current. That gives them the best insight into their ability to fund or provide funding or, in fact, determine what the credit risk of their clients is. Yes, indeed, it's a really important feature that we look towards when considering the investment. What's really pleasing is these guys are running at less than 0.1% of TTV or total transaction value um, of you know, speculative or concerning debts, that is tiny in the scheme of things. And we we feel that that demonstrates that they're, despite the growth, so they're not just hunting growth for growth's sake by maybe expanding their risk curve or at least opening up the boundary to risk. That niche group that they're focusing on is delivering the results and they don't have to, and they don't have to put the business at risk. 
And when you look around the world, you know, in the macro environment, some of the early indicators coming out of the States look like things are, are starting to slow down potentially, albeit with enormous inflation rates. Do you see this as a company where, you know, when times do get tough and cash flow requirements get more challenging, their services are required even more by small and medium businesses around Australia? How are you looking at it in relation to the, the broader macro environment? So as a starting point, we, we, don't, um, we don't think stagflation is a thing. We don't think, yes, we think inflation is a thing. Yes, we think that federal, uh, uh, the reserve banks globally or federal reserves globally have to stamp down the, this burst of inflation that's you know, emanated from the Omicron residual. Uh, and of course, Russia hasn't helped. So they're real and they will be addressed. So we think look, we think growth is fine. But to answer your question, we do actually feel this company can deliver in very difficult market environments, if you think subtrend growth, because there are still industries out there that benefit from all types of economies, whether it's a, a decelerating economy, uh, whether it's a negative inflation. Obviously, they're not great, because there's, in order to grow, you'd rather the pie growing rather than just taking share in the existing pie. It doesn't mean, though, that they can't take share. And what really important feature of their business is their systems. And that, the basis of their systems, and I touched on it earlier in terms of the look-through for the client base, but the customer experience is second to none in the market. It is market leading. And that allows them to compare favourably. And also, they can integrate with, you know, cloud-based accounting software as well. Like, you know, whatever those, whatever the zero or whatever the other software packages that the market uses, they can integrate with it. What I'm saying is there is market share and runway for them to exceed now. But in normal circumstances, there's always a demand for capital. And where's the next leg of growth come from? Is it organic? Is there a chance for bolt-on acquisitions? What are you expecting there? A couple of things there. I, I, I flagged early on that those two divisions that they've recently launched into and are growing to. I mean, they are they are growth engines for the business. And you only have to have, you only have to look at the infrastructure spend in this country. And there's no shortage of subcontractors that operate associated to the larger contractors. Those guys need capital for their own cap, uh, for their own PPE. So they do need the capital for that. So that's a leg. Remember, that's a forty billion dollar market. That's a substantial market with the where early payout has a foot toehold in it. Um, but the trade the trade financing market is also a substantial market, and I think ultimately will be a better returning market for them because they're actually leveraging off their own IP. So really, the runway from here for that company is quite organic. I did mention earlier that the key, the, most of their sales come through the broker community uh, in terms of the, the initial invoice financing. They can't wean themselves off that. That is the core part. Um, going down the path of marketing your own product is costly. That's not their strategy for that market. Again, equipment finds they can use the broker community as well. That's why I think trade finance is going to be a strong division for them. And they've had some corporate interest, I think, in 2019, where some, some larger companies were, were running the, the ruler over them. Who is 
potentially a, a natural acquirer of a business like this. And I know none of us can forecast what's going to happen in that space, but theoretically, who, who could be a business that could come knocking for a, a business like Early Pay? I think from the Flinders perspective, we're not there for the for the takeout opportunity. We discussed earlier the attractive qualities of the business. I mean, sorry, one thing I didn't mention is their profits going to grow 60% this year. This is not a company idly wait, just um, uh, harvesting income. That's not this type of business. That captures the imagination of the market as well. In 2018, uh, Scottish Pacific was acquired by Affinity Partners. It's a consolidating sector. Early Pay's been doing its own consolidating of smaller players. So a global entity like that is well-placed. Maybe another PE acquirer in that space globally to take out this company would seem to be an opportunity. The other player that came to light in 2019 was, um, was an entity called, a ticket called COG, uh, Consolidated Operating Group. They operate brokers. They have a broker network. So this will be their effort in vertically integrating a, a, a um, debtor ledger financing business into theirs because not all of their not all of their brokers lend into um, invoice financing. So it was an opportunity to create a one plus one equals two and a half, right? Or three or bigger because they had they were able to leverage that cost base. So that margin that gets paid away for the broker commission is consolidated into the group. That kind of made sense. They're sitting there on the register at the moment at 14%. They did acquire a blocking stake back in 2020 uh, when, when uh, uh, Scottish Pacific uh, uh, bid um, at that time. Uh, and um, uh, unfortunately, COVID hit and, the, and both deals fell away. So it was a bit disappointing at the time. Uh, but as far as we're concerned, it's only gotten better for this business. Well, it's one of the more interesting opportunities that, uh, that I've been shown in the last couple of months. So I appreciate you for, uh, for walking me through it and, and the listeners through it, and you delivered it with Daycross Light Precision. So thanks very much for, for coming back on the show, mate. Thank you for that. I really appreciate the time. Thanks, Chris. This episode of Talk Your Book was proudly brought to you by Honan who go beyond a transactional insurance broker to deliver better outcomes for their clients. If you're enjoying Talk Your Book, make sure you subscribe to Chris Judd Invest. Nothing you hear today should be considered investment advice. Please do your own research and seek out your own financial advisor before committing any capital to these markets.